0: The brackets of the Yaakov arc of narratives are his encounters with his brothers, Esav, followed by, and then at the end, his encounter with his brother, preceded by, dream encounters with the divine. The very beginning of Vayetzeh Vayikach me'ovnea makom, v'yasem ereishotav v'ishqav Hahu. He came upon a certain place and stopped there for the night, for the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of that place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place. He had a dream. A stairway was set on the ground, and its top reached to the sky, and messengers of God were going up and down on it. And Adonai was standing beside him. And Adonai said, I am Yudhevavhe. The God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac, the ground on which you are lying, I will assign to you and to your offspring. Remember, I am with you. I will protect you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Yaakov awoke from his sleep and said, "Surely Yudhevavhe is present in this place." and I didn't know it. Shaken, he said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the abode of God, and that is the gateway of heaven. And so early in the morning, he took a stone that he put under his head and he set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. To one of the greatest lines of spiritual experience in the Torah, I did not know God was in this place The conventional Rashi writes that Yaakov means if he had known God was in his place, he wouldn't have gone to sleep there. Yaakov then made a vow saying, if God remains with me, if God protects me on this journey that I am making and gives me bread to eat and clothing to wear, and if I return safe to my father's house, then Adonai shall be my God. What particularly characterizes Yaakov's personal relationship with the universe is anxiety. He feels totally alone in the world, running for his life from home to a land of distant relatives. He is unprotected from his master, Levon. He has no recourse for protection. He has no money. He has no retainers. There are no authorities to hold Levan to his broken promises. He has a blessing now, one he may not have chosen for himself to be guarantor of the covenant for a prosperous tribal future, children, wealth, taking possession of the land, it would be understandable if the sleep of such a person would be deeply troubled. As someone myself who used to suffer terribly as an adult from persistent and repetitive nightmares, I understand what it means to go unprotected into the dream state, into the well of one's psyche, One does not expect to encounter God there. One expects to encounter one's demons. One does not expect a blessing or reassurance. One expects curse. But Yaakov's journey into his psyche is revelatory and healing. His first dream is a vision that rivals, if not surpasses Yechezkel's Merkava, the chariot in the sky. Yaakov sees the stairway leading up and down with God's messengers going up, receiving their missions and coming down to fulfill them. Whether the divine messengers are invisible, but all around us, or whether the divine messengers are ourselves, receiving our divine missions in our dream states, in our subconscious, in the transcendent realm, and then returning to the earthly world with God's hope that we remember subconsciously our personal missions, and we go fulfill them in the human day world. There is likely no powerful vision in the Torah, the encounter with the human mind, with the transcendent. Yaakov realizes not only some things about himself, but about the nature of the world he thought he knew. I did not know God was in this place. And now in Vayishlach, we begin immediately with Yaakov sending Melachim, messengers, Vaishlah Yaakov Melachim. He sends messengers, angels, mes- ahead of him to Esau. He does not wish to be one himself. There is no distinction, of course, in the Hebrew between human and divine messenger. The language is ambiguous, perhaps reflecting a deep metaphysical truth revealed in the dream world. It says, Yaakov was greatly frightened in his anxiety He divided the people with him and the flocks and herds and camels into two camps. And so his anxiety returns. And in the famous God-wrestling match, he directly encounters and wrestles the divine himself, seemingly the divine being of himself or of his brother, and is given another healing experience in what seems like the goal of the psychotherapeutic process, Quickly, in one revelatory experience, Yaakov achieves healing, freedom, reunification, and though not without side effects, a vision that lets him move forward without paranoia, neurosis, and self-doubt, he achieves the name Yisrael, God wins. And though his anxiety is not cured forever, he now can move back and forth in life from the anxious, often depressed Yaakov To Yisrael, one who moves forward because God is winning from a place of letting the vision of the transcendent overcome the human fears and anxieties. I wanna share the story of Kathleen Keneally. I wanna talk about a vision that she had with the transcendent that helped her overcome her addiction to smoking. This is from an article in The Atlantic. Kathleen Keneally successfully quit smoking after a decades long habit with the help of psilocybin, the active ingredient of magic mushrooms. Keneally was a participant in a study at Johns Hopkins University, looking at whether nicotine addiction could be treated by psilocybin. She said the following, I was a vine with a big purple flower and I rose higher and higher until I was above, looking down at my small self, huddled over and smoking and feeling horrible. And I saw my father, who was abusive to me, but he was small too, just a sad, pathetic old man. And I am this vine, rising up and all powerful and looking down at myself and at my father. And all my problems are laid out, and I see them all as small, stupid, And I was just like, why would you ever choose to smoke? Yes, I can smoke if I want, but why? The researchers used a combination of journaling ahead of time, noting the triggers and patterns of the smoking, and then a small dose of psilocybin. The participants often experienced, they note, a profound sense of self-worth. In the brain, areas that don't normally talk to each other, Experience what they call crosstalk and likely relate to the experience of a different perspective on one's life and on the nature of the world we experience in our normal lives. Like Yaakov, Kathleen goes back and forth in life today, between experiencing the world as it was presented to us, as it is conventionally seen, and as the perspective from the vine, where Hagafan. Perhaps we could say back and forth between Yaakov and Israel. And she has successfully quit smoking. There is a truth from the Torah through so many human civilizations, through Huxley's doors of perception, that the conventional way of seeing things is not the only legitimate perspective on the conventional reality we share. There's more to the world than Rashi's, oh, Yaakov must have meant he felt bad going to sleep in shul. Whether psychedelics is a pathway to different perspectives, healing perspectives, that have something to do with Torah, with religion, with our souls, is in many ways has been a reactive battle. We don't seem mature enough to have a conversation about. We can be like Rashi, no, it has nothing to do with that. No, angels are not humans with subconscious missions. I don't even know what you're saying. that are somehow revealed to them by encounters with the transcendent in dreams or other states, no. Angels are invisible celestial creatures that you don't see, and they're doing stuff. They're kind of like us, but they're invisible, and they have more power. Perhaps such an approach leads to those like Richard Alpert, Zirano Livrachah, who said, experienced his Jewish upbringing as not having an encounter with God, but rather the taking on the mantle of conventional expectations. He was born to a Jewish family in Newton, Massachusetts, the son of Gertrude Levin and George Alpert, a lawyer in Boston. Alpert reported that he had a bar mitzvah, but quote, was disappointed by its essential hollowness. He considered therefore himself an atheist during his early life, and described himself as inured to religion. I didn't have one whiff of God until I took psychedelics. Richard Alpert eventually changed his name to Ram Dass, and over his life and before his death became someone who wrote a great deal about psychological healing and peace and world healing and environmental healing. Or we could be reactive away from the conventional Rashi and be reactive the other way. We can say, sure, I'm so glad the rabbi's giving this sermon. I love the 60s. I love putting on some Jefferson airplane and Timothy Leary and you put on some awful psychedelic lighting and you turn on and you tune out. It was awesome, that God is bringing it up. When we're reactive this other way, in many ways we are being just as conventional. Psychedelics are a mental show or just another lifestyle choice. If you had psychological liberation and encounter with the transcendent, that that sounds cool, man. Okay, let's move on. A danger in both reactivities is associating psychedelics, which are not addictive with other drugs like opiates, alcohol, cocaine, caffeine, Stimulants, barbiturates, which actually are severely addictive and in a very different classification. One of the most important facets of the conversation over psychedelics and their potential relationship to religion, which I wrote about quite a bit in my academic work, is the question of whether the experience is in the drug or the experience is in the person. And for a long time in American culture, we didn't see experiences as located in the person. We were stuck in causes and effects, talks of hallucinations and drugs. And two landmark studies in 2016 showed that a single dose of magic mushrooms can make people with severe anxiety and depression, which of course apparently has nothing to do with our Torah portion or Yaakov, can make people with severe anxiety and depression better for months. I'm gonna quote from uh, the article in The Atlantic from December of 2016. The doom hung like an anvil over her head. In 2012, a few years after Carol Vincent was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, she was waiting to see whether her cancer would progress enough to require chemotherapy or radiation. The disease had already done a number on her, inflating lymph nodes on her chin, collarbones, and groin. She battled her symptoms while running her own marketing business, and to top it all off, she was going through menopause. In her words... Life is just pointless stress, and then you die, perhaps the viewpoint of Yaakov. She felt, all I'm doing is sitting here waiting for this to happen to me. One day, she was at an intersection driving. She mulled over whether it would be so bad if she got hit by a car, and she told this to her son. And her 27-year-old son sent her a link to an invitation to the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine seeking cancer patients to sign up to take psilocybin, the active ingredient, as I said, in magic mushrooms, to alleviate her anxiety and depression. Her son wrote to her, before you do that, though, start thinking about all the existential questions you want to ponder while your window is open to the universe. For the treatment sessions, guides would bring participants into a comfortable living room-like lab and equip them with an eye mask and headphones connected to a playlist of instrumental music. In New York, the guides held the participants' hands and told them to state their intention for the day. So instead of just throwing like a prescription at them and say, here you go, there is an entire psychotherapeutic process involved. It's approached spiritually. It's approached from the point of view of what the person is going through. They prepare for the experience. They are told what to expect in some ways from the experience. They are told not to be scared, that parts of the experience are scary. The guides at Johns Hopkins told Vincent if you see something scary, open up and walk right in. Perhaps this is the God wrestling of Yaakov. And then they gave her the dose of psilocybin inside a gelatin capsule and stood back. She described her six-hour trip as spectacularly gorgeous and beyond words. She saw a sea of green and purple shapes, then a deep space emptiness with a monolithic presence, similar to the Borg Collective from Star Trek. At one point, a series of Egyptian ships and Russian dolls paraded before her. She laughed, she wept, and at some point, something popped out at her from the mental kaleidoscope. A small, creamy white, animated crab It's cancer, the crab, she thought later, referring to the zodiac sign. It could have been a big, horrifying monster crab that was about to tear me up and eat me, but it wasn't. It was like a comic relief. I saw that there is still humor in life. There's still beauty in me. There's still a larger perspective. So we know. There's evidence that certain kinds of treatments involving psychedelics can help not only those suffering anxiety, depression, going through cancer treatment, but also significantly studies that show improvement in veterans and others who suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder. And so where I lead in conclusion is that I think that we are at an exciting place in 2020. I think we're at a point where we can rise above the old debate is the rabbi saying people should go do drugs? I myself don't do anything, so maybe you can call me a hypocrite for talking about this stuff. Is the rabbi encouraging that? Are we at a point where we have a, a culture of drug use, as if that is a better culture or a different culture? And I think it's in some ways just another conventional culture. Or do we go back to Rashi and say, well, we stop all this talk and tell our kids going through a bar mitzvah that come on, what it is, is about figuring out what we expect you to do and do it and the larger psychological world has nothing to do with religion what is exciting about where we're at and where we should have been in 1980 is that we're moving to a place that considers whether each of us has the capacity to see god in this place to find perspective healing and the power to hear and complete our divine missions in this world that we are in connection we have connection to god that God is in this place, that such talk is not just metaphor and poetry, but is literal. We have separated the brain from therapy, pharmaceuticals from talk therapy, religion from psychology, and the transcendent from religion. It's time to put them back because we have a desperate need for healing and a desperate need for courage.